Welcome back to Pancreas Pals, a podcast by diabetics for diabetics. I'm Emily, a writer and editor. And I'm Miriam, a licensed mental health counselor. We're just two women trying to live our best diabetic lives. While it might not always be easy due to the literal highs and lows, it always helps to have a pancreas pal to turn to. Hello, and welcome to Pancreas Pals. I'm Emily, a writer. And I'm Miriam, a licensed mental health counselor. We're just two type 1 diabetics trying to live our best lives. It's not always easy with the literal highs and lows. But it does help to have a pancreas pal to turn to. Hey guys, welcome to Pancreas Pals. Emily here. And Miriam. And this week's very special guest is none other than Megan from at Pushups and Pumps, because apparently all I do is tell people their Instagram handles. Um, Welcome, (laughs) Megan. Hi, how's it going? We're so excited to be chatting with you um, on this cold, cold day. But Megan, um, I just want to give people a little like a little direction where they can find you on Instagram. I know I briefly said it, but um, to see her adorable dog and all of her shenanigans and learn more about you. Is it your tandem pump that you've been? Yeah, I'm on a tandem pump. I believe Miriam is too. Yes. Love it. Um, To to learn, to, you know, learn while or see some photos while listening to this podcast, head to her (laughs) Instagram, which I'll plug again later. But again, that's pushups, the letter in pumps. All right. So let's dive right in. Um, So obviously, Megan, you are a fellow type one diabetic and social media and marketing guru. But how did uh, how'd you find out your your type one? Let's hear your diagnosis story. Straight from the Um, beginning. So mine is a little crazy because so I was diagnosed when I was 10 and I diagnosed Mm -hmm. myself before I was like officially diagnosed by a doctor. And 10 years old. Yeah. So what had happened is like a year earlier, one of my good friends from like preschool and kindergarten had been diagnosed. And I remembered hearing my mom and her grandma talking at church and talking about like, Katie was so thirsty. She had no energy. They were finding water glasses everywhere. And she was diagnosed with diabetes. So a little shortly after my 10th birthday, I got the flu. I lost about 20 pounds in two weeks and just never felt good again, you know, like just tired all the time. And I'd um, go to school and we had six bathroom passes we could use for the week and I'd use all of mine. Yeah. I'd use all of mine by Tuesday morning and I'd go to the bathroom every time we had a break, a recess, everything. Not to, not to interrupt, but can we talk about the overall issue I have with the fact that you are allotted <laughs> right. a certain number of bathroom passes a week. Right. That's probably like against the law now or something. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> sure. Yeah. Oh a whole other podcast episode. That is bizarre though. Like what if you're a nervous pooper or peer? I just like, oh my can't. gosh. I'm yeah. sorry. I just had to say that. All right, please continue. No, I <laughs> know. I know. Or in these situations, like it's a medical thing and I didn't exactly. even know. Yeah, because I would take like remember those jump life, um, jump rope for life water bottles. I would take one yeah. to school with me, and I'd finish it before like the first bell even rang. So mm-hmm. of course I had to pee a hundred times a day. But yeah. oh, I take so many. I have so many issues with this. Continue. Yeah, <laughs> from your school. Well, your school. <laughs> um. So I was noticing that, 
And I was like, oh, I think I'm diabetic like Katie. But if I don't tell anybody, they'll never know. Mm-hmm. So then we went to I my our pastor's wife took a couple of us kids to a movie. And she's like, Megan got up a couple of times to go to the bathroom. That's not kind of normal. So then when we went to my like yearly checkup, my mom was like, hey, I think you should check Megan's blood sugar. She's had some symptoms and she's lost a lot of weight. And my doctor goes, oh, that's just her baby fat. She just lost her baby fat because I was a chubby kid and I wasn't anywhere. Yeah. Savage. Like yeah. I was a chubby kid too, but like. How hard is it to check someone's blood sugar? Like, I know. I know. So um, he checked it and it was like 400 something. And I just felt like, oh, I was caught. And so he's like, I need to go put in some paperwork. We're going to send you to the hospital. And when he left the room, I just started crying. And I was like, can I eat cake? Can I eat candy? (laughs) Those were my main thoughts. Um, So, yeah, that's kind of my diagnosis story. Um, And where I grew up, it was very small. So when I was younger, we would drive three hours to the nearest endocrinologist um, because oh there, was, there was no pediatric endocrinologists in our area. So um, it was interesting. But I, in doing that, I went to a big city. So then I got to know about like diabetes camp mm-hmm. and, um, you know, experienced some of that when I was younger. Oh, good. Yeah. That's why I also went to diabetes camp. So I, I, I love talking about it. <laughs> I, I know. So left out. <laughs> oh no! You need to come to adult diabetes camp. Yeah. I should. I really should. Totally. Did you guys go to this? What camp did you go to, Megan? I so I went to Gales Creek Camp, and it's funny mm-hmm. because I don't really talk to anybody I used to go to camp with, but I connected via Instagram with somebody who, lo and behold, we went to Gales Creek Camp together for a couple of years. Oh, so amazing. yeah. So it's and how, how how it like all falls together now on social media. That's Absolutely. wild. And so I imagine because you went to camp, and obviously you're big on social media now. It sounds like you really immersed yourself in the diabetic community. Is that is that accurate? Um, it is and it isn't because in college I didn't. Um, mm-hmm. I spent those years ignoring my diabetes. I lost a freshman 15 instead of gaining one because I wasn't yeah. taking care of myself. Um, it's kind of like, Happened you know, to the best of us. yeah, I could eat whatever I wanted finally. So yeah, I went ahead and did way too much of that. But once I started getting into the workforce and realizing like, I can't sustain a full-time job and like need a nap after lunch, I started mm-hmm. to realize like I needed to watch what I eat. I need to like look more into my diabetes management. And that's when I got on a pump, got on a Dexcom and kind of really started mm-hmm. taking care of myself and taking charge of my diabetes. Wow. That's, yeah, and that's I th- awesome. Yeah. And I think that's a pretty common narrative, especially for people who are diagnosed when they were younger, like us in elementary school is your parents are taking care of it for you at first. And then high school, you're like a little bit more independent, but you're still being supervised in some sense. And then once Mm -hmm. you get to college, it's like, whatever, as long as I don't get end up in the hospital, everything's fine. And I think 
become because I had a very similar you know story as you do, and I think as soon as you get into the real world, and it's like, oh, I have to be an adult. I want to feel good. I want to like feel healthy. It's that's when things really change. So yeah, yeah I think that's yeah. that makes sense. So how did you? Who's who's uh, <laughs> diagnosed as an adult, and like I feel like I still haven't haven't really experienced a burnout knock on wood I've definitely been like frustrated but I've only had it for coming up on six years now so quick question about burnout for mm-hmm. for two uh yeah. two people who've had diabetes for a minute what were some of the initial signs of burnout like actual like going beyond you know just like were, were there any um, like mood differences that you'd recognize because your sugars were all over or anything like that I mean, I think when I think of burnout, really, I think it has so much more to do with like your developmental stage of life and less so of like diabetes is really pissing me off right now. Because obviously we all feel like that, but I think I have the same narrative now as I did in college and that like, ugh, this is such a frustrating diabetes day. But now I'm more Mm -hmm. mature so I can manage those feelings way differently than I could have in college when it was like... I was in a different developmental stage. Like you're like literally your brain is not fully developed yet. You're considered like an older adolescent, emerging adult. And I think you just don't have the mental capacity, the emotional capacity to manage those burnout feelings. So for yeah. me, it, I think it just starts with like a really frustrating day when diabetes isn't cooperating. And then you kind of throw your hands up and says, well, what, excuse my French, but what's the fucking point? Like nothing works. <laughs> yeah. So I'll, yeah. just, like, I'll just continue treating myself poorly. Versus now, yeah. I think we all have the skill set to better um, manage those feelings and not let it be a catastrophic thing, you know? Yeah, like I wouldn't categorize college as burnout because I didn't even know what I was doing to myself. I was just mm-hmm. trying to be normal and trying to fit in and, you know, minimizing my diabetes to not have it get in the way. So if you always run high, you're not going to go low and it's not going to get in the way as much. And so exactly now and you're not I thinking run. about long-term thing. You're not thinking about long-term no. consequences because that's what you do in college. You think of in the moment only. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so now I, I'm at a stage in my life where I can say I'm burnt out. I need to change something. I need to do something different. And I do mm-hmm. also have the skills and the experience with my diabetes so that I can say, okay, I'm going to loosen the reins on my Dexcom, or I'm going to take a pump break, or I'm going to do something a little different to give myself that brain space back that diabetes mm-hmm. is taking up every day. Mm-hmm. So Exactly. I- I agree. It's kind of a developmental stage and where you're at in your life that makes it more burnout versus how you're just taking care of yourself. But mm-hmm. I never even, and for someone who talks about burnout all the time on, you know, in terms of like the overall conversation of diabetes, like, I guess I never really put that together. Like it's a, it's more than just like a, a feeling of wanting to like, just kind of say like, fuck diabetes or fuck this. Mm -hmm. It's kind of, it is, you know, definitely now that you're describing it, everyone I've spoken to who's experienced burnout has usually been in around that same stage of life. Like, I feel like I don't normally hear of like a 45 year old who's just like, 
fuck this. Unless burnout lasts a lot longer for (laughs) someone. I mean, you know, things happen at every age and every stage. If you don't have the support and the resources to kind of get out of that funk, absolutely. But I, but yeah, I, I kind of on that note, I don't think it's like, oh, once you've had diabetes for 10 years, that's when the burnout will kick in. Like, it's not like a longevity thing in terms of diagnosis. I think it's really like about about the situation, about the age, the stage that you're in, things like and that. And the ability to cope, I think, on, on yeah. the greater whole. I think that and that like, is so funny because I've kind of been just chilling, being like, when's the burnout going to hit me? Because in my mind, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, maybe like 10 years in, like whatever. No. But now it makes so much more sense that it's definitely a bigger conversation. Yeah. And, and, and a lot of it is also like what else is going on in your life? Because, you know, diabetes Mm -hmm. takes up so much room in our head. If there's a lot of other things going on too, that will affect your diabetes. So that'll make it easier to burn out at a certain point than maybe if the other stuff wasn't going on too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a vicious cycle too because stress affects your blood sugars, affects your diabetes management. So when your your blood sugars aren't cooperating – that's more stress, which is worse blood sugar. So it's like this vicious cycle, cycle. that's yeah. extremely hard to break. So that it makes sense that you kind of again throw your that's the metaphor I'm using, throw your hands up in the air and say, like, fuck this. Yeah. So we're explicit explicit this episode. I'm in <laughs> No, we I can't don't help We have the E. We have the E every week. <laughs> we can't be tamed. Um, but Okay, moving on from that, thanks for uh, explaining this to me. I honestly feel like I learned something, lol. I pretend like I know things and I don't. Um, That should be my (laughs) memoir. But I really am intrigued, Megan, as to how you you started this this Instagram community and your blog and, Mm -hmm. you know, also like – I mean, everyone should definitely go check check out her Instagram and her blog, but also her dog is adorable and is in so many pictures. So if you're a dog lover, head on over to at pushups and pumps right now. But also I just want to meet your dog. That's all. Continue. Um, I can, I can also plug Tucker has his own Instagram. It's, um, <laughs> oh my God. It's Tucker's Tiny Travels because. Oh my God. I'm like I recently, literally searching it right now. Yeah. I, I recently took him on a trip. We went to Austin um Charleston and Savannah and we realized Mm -hmm. on this trip that like there's all these cute murals and everything and we'd be like Tucker sit and he'd sit there and I'd like back away and he'd just stay and let me take the picture and it was amazing like he went everywhere in Austin he went to a bar he went to a club like he went shopping (laughs) it's just wait I'm looking at these pictures is they're so cute cute like Tucker you're right is he just here for a good time they're posing yeah he poses uh, also uh, this picture of him that looks like around thanksgiving and he's just out of the bath or something he looks a little like scruffy yeah. i'm dying sorry yeah. we're i'm like a diehard tucker fan always yes, happen, yeah, always will be. listeners you need to like pull up this instagram account while you're listening it's so cute. tucker's tiny travels on instagram okay but back to push-ups yeah. and pumps okay. so how did <laughs> How did this start? Um, So honestly, when I decided to like start taking care of myself, I had a friend that was back in like when paleo was a huge thing and he's like, oh, try this. And I was like, okay. So I cleaned out all my food. I gave it to my like bachelor neighbor because he had no (laughs) food in his kitchen. (laughs) We all um, do. (laughs) 
and uh, started eating pretty like fresh and healthy. And it really helped me like kickstart my diabetes. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what I started blogging about. And um, at the time, a girl that I was working with had a friend who worked for an online community. And unfortunately, they're not still around, but it was called One Health. And it started out as um, kind of like how Facebook groups are now. It was NA and AA online, but they wanted to expand what they were doing and they wanted to start a diabetes community. So they saw my blog and they asked me to help them get it started. So That's awesome. Yeah, it was really cool because I um, would post content for them and write stuff for them. But the most amazing part of it was we would have weekly meetings because when they're they're used to the NA and the AA like weekly meetings kind of format. So they're mm-hmm. like, well, why don't we do that for other communities? And so we do kind of a weekly chat just to talk about, I, I started out with topics, but then it would kind of just go back to like talking about diabetes and what was going on in people's lives. And it was just really supportive for people going through diabetes. Um, so that was kind of how I got started online. And then uh, kind of when that closed down, because um, it was a startup and it didn't make it, <laughs> I just, I, I changed, eventually I changed from being like super hardcore paleo because I knew it wasn't sustainable just to, you know, taking better care of myself, finding good substitutes for foods that I loved or figuring out how to manage eating something that's, you know, a little harder on my blood sugars. And so I decided to blog about it and Honestly, I'm not really sure how I figured out like a couple years ago that I wanted to focus my Instagram only on diabetes, but at the time there weren't a lot of people doing it or talking about it. Mm-hmm. And I re- I had realized at that point that like something that was missing in diabetes was the community. Um, because it's very, it's lonely, you know, you don't always know someone around you who has diabetes, especially if you're from a small area, you know? the only people mm-hmm. you know who have diabetes are 87 and they can't relate. Yeah. So, a different type. You know, everyone's like, Oh, my grandma died of diabetes or my uncle lost uh-huh. his leg. And that's all you've heard your whole life. Yeah. So right. I realized that yeah, it is. And I realized that just by sharing what I'm doing, even though it could sound boring to me or stupid or like repetitive, it, if it's reaching anyone, it's helpful. And mm-hmm. um, I, I kind of started out just with basic stuff. But when I first realized I had some stuff going on with my eyes, I decided I wanted to like open up even more. And I, <laughs> I felt weird doing this, but I asked the nurse, I was like, hey, can you take a picture when he gives me an injection in my eyeball? And oh she's, my like, God. she's like, okay. And she did okay. it. Let's unpack this a little. Could you describe the eye situation? I'm um, assuming it's diabetes related. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, so I have some retinopathy and um, they used to only treat it with lasers, but now they have injections they can do to help minimize the damage and prevent further damage. And so for those who don't know, can you, I don't know if you're, able to talk about this but can you explain a little bit about what diabetic I cannot I can never pronounce it retinopathy (laughs) I want to say retinopathy like a psycho Uh, (laughs) what what that actually is 
Um, so for me, it wasn't affecting my vision, which is the nice thing. Um, but basically, it's hard to describe what was going on in my eyeball is there were like little, basically little blood vessels that had popped. And it's not something you could see from the outside. But once they like dilated my eyes and took pictures inside, they could see that. And that's damage from high blood sugars. So it's likely my college days catching up with me a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's one of those things I imagine like if it's not treated, obviously it can get significantly worse, but they found it before it was affecting your vision at all, which is amazing. Yeah, exactly. And so what they, um, in doing the injections, it helps your eyeballs heal. Gotcha. Um, they say you should do the injections every three months. I did them every three months, like two or three times. And then actually I've been really lucky and I haven't had any further damage. So they haven't had to do injections for a while. But it's like a, the most terrifying thing when they tell you they're going to put a needle in your eyeball. I'm sure. It actually sounds awful. Like I don't. Cause you like have to keep your eye open. So do you like see it coming towards you? You don't, you like look in another direction, but what they also didn't tell me was it's, it's more than one injection because they inject lidocaine first and then they do Mm. the injection. So, and excuse me, actually the worst part is they put iodine in your eye to sterilize it and it feels like Mm -hmm. sandpaper. Yellow. Yeah. Yeah. So I I have an eye doctor appointment on Wednesday and now I'm like, ah. But anyways, it's like, um, this is how you scare your kids okay. into good control. No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> I, so I got it done and I realized like, it's more of a mental thing, I think, than a mm-hmm. physical thing. Like I would say the next 24 hours and what they don't talk about, what they don't tell you is like the next 24 hours, I was pretty depressed. Like I was pretty down about it. And, mm-hmm. and I think part of it is the stress it puts on your body and just mm-hmm. like being nervous about it. And, but also it's a kind of a, a visual representation of there's something wrong with me, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. And so I asked her to take the picture because I wanted to post it. And, um, because like complications are real, it's a real thing. And, a lot of people just post their highs. And to me, not if I'm having highs, a bad like day, life highs. Life highs, yes, <laughs> not high yes. <laughs> uh, But if, if you're having a bad day and you get on Instagram and you see, oh, all these people with good blood sugars, like it doesn't mm-hmm. make you feel any better. Right. So no, not at all. I wanted to post that even though like I show myself enjoying life and being happy with my, not happy with my diabetes, but living a happy life with diabetes that I also have my lows and I also have like bad days and other Mm -hmm. stuff going on and complications are real and we should talk about them. So I um, went to a meetup in Chicago last year, last February, I think, (coughs) excuse me. And a girl came up to me and she said, you know, honestly, I was really depressed and I felt like a really bad diabetic because I was getting injections. And the fact that you posted that made me feel less alone and um, like, like everything, like I was going to be okay. And her saying that to me, like, I'm kind of tearing up now, just like talking about it, because even if she's the only person that helped, like, that makes it, you know, 
100% why I did it and why right. I want to keep doing it because I can make one more person feel less alone, you know? Hundo mm-hmm. P. That's why we started yeah. Hungry Pals. Like, I feel exactly. like this whole community, like there, there's not very many people that started their accounts being like, I want to get famous or like, I don't know, mm-hmm. who like didn't care about about making a difference in one way or another. Talk to us about advocacy. Um, so I think more recently, the biggest thing for me has been I've been helping my Insulin for All chapter in California. Um, and mm-hmm. I've been... I've been very lucky in the fact that until I was 26, I was on my parents' insurance. I've always had a job with insurance. I have very good insurance now, but no matter whether you're struggling to get insulin now or not, it's always something that weighs on your shoulders, thinking about like, well, what happens Mm -hmm. if I lose my job? Or what if I want to start my own business? Or like, what if I get sick and like need extra insulin, what do I do? And, you know, when I was diagnosed, you could pay $25 for a bottle of insulin that now costs over $300 at a minimum. And it's Mm -hmm. to me, it's just not, it, it just blows my mind that it's gotten to this point. And it's something that's just like kind of sneakily happened. And I don't think it's okay. It's out of control. It it absolutely is. It's just fully out of control. And so my biggest thing is, you know, how can we make a change? If Honestly, if I knew I wouldn't get arrested for doing it, I'd go to Mexico every weekend because I live in San Diego. I'd pick up a bunch of insulin and send it to people that need it. Because it's like, Uh, even though I'm not currently affected by like a shortage of insulin in my life, it makes me terribly sad to think that anyone is going through that or anyone is thinking I better not eat a meal because I can't afford the insulin to take so or they're rationing their insulin which is so dangerous and like I think it just kind of shows the the magnitude of the issue that there are you know very privileged people who like are not privileged, but people who you would think would be privileged by looking at them and they're struggling just like the rest of us to afford this very, very expensive um, medicine that we cannot live without. Yeah. It gets me so It's fired as essential up. to us as water. water. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Really. We live in a first world and country and we can't even afford something being made on our our own soil. And it's and it's like middle class people can't even afford it. It's not just, you know, it's exactly. not the poorest of the poor. It's like yeah. people with full-time jobs or two jobs, multiple incomes can't afford it. That's insane to me. And no matter, no matter, like, you know, there are things, there are, uh, guys, I got to stop doing this at the end of the day. Um, there <laughs> like are programs. programs out there. We talked about this with, uh, with Jillian, who uh, is at T1D Chick on Instagram. Mm-hmm. She is also a huge advocate and she is always posting about, uh, you know, like Humalog, uh, they have vouchers or certainly Lily's program. program Exactly. And while those exist, I think that's like a very small bandaid on the bigger problem because the fact that, that, you know, they're just kind of throwing money at the problem isn't solving anything. They're like, oh, here's a voucher that'll save you this much money. And I'm like, well, if you can give it to us for this much money, then give it to us for this much money. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. It's insane. And it's really not 
a class issue. It's a law issue. And the fact that EpiPens were, you know, back when that whole drama went went down with the increasing the price of an EpiPen and everyone was up in arms about that, that was changed pretty, pretty rapidly. And I'm having trouble understanding why this, this is taking so long for something that is also just as crucial, if not needed more frequently than that. Yeah, and especially because there are more and more people needing insulin every year. So it's not like it's something mm -hmm. that's, you know, going out of style. (laughs) We're going to need it. So, and more and more people are going to need it. So, you know, it's becoming more and more of a crisis because it's not sustainable at the rate that, you know, it's skyrocketing. Well, we love that you are getting involved and speaking out along with Insulin for All. So for those of you who are listening that want to be involved or get involved, definitely check out their Instagram at Insulin for All and do a quick Mm -hmm. Google search and you will find all the amazing things that they're doing. Um, And they have local chapters all over the country. It's an amazing organization. If you're listening in the U.S. Um, For our Australian friends, because this is like so out of left field, but they're our number two most listened city uh, or country, I should say. Um, I was going to say Melbourne's our number two most listened city, but um, our heart goes out to all of our Australian friends as well dealing with greater environmental issues um, that is just mind-boggling as well. But on a happier note, we couldn't be more appreciative of your time, Megan. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us and chatting all things. Um, Thanks for listening to me try to speak because (laughs) this has been like one of my top five biggest blunders, but whatevs. It was worth it to get to talk about Tucker. Yeah, Tucker's Um, always worth it. (laughs) Truly, Tucker is always worth it. So follow Tucker on Instagram (laughs) at Tucker's Tiny Travels. You won't regret it. Um, This is Miriam's favorite part where I go and just plug everything all over the world. Um, Go for it. Here I go. Are you guys ready? Ready. Follow Megan on Instagram. She is at pushups, the letter in, pumps. So that's pushups and pumps. Definitely will be writing that not to worry. Um, and follow us on Instagram at pancreas underscore pals. Follow us on Facebook, which is pancreas pals PP. Slide into our DMs on either or both. We love to hear from you. And I'll give you our email because why the hell not? Uh, email us any ideas you might have at pancreas pals123 <laughs> at gmail.com. Um, we are finishing up the season. Only a few episodes left. Still some really exciting guests. Um, and Miriam and I are, we'll be back in. We're doing episodes every other week now in case people are like, why are you doing this sporadically? <laughs> it's not sporadic, I promise. If you look, there is, there is rhyme and there is a, There is a schedule, yes. Yes. Uh, thank you so much, Megan. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yes. Thanks for coming on. All right, everyone have a great rest of your week. Okay, bye, bye, guys. Bye.